0: Which is always so weird when it's a guest for the cold open and that means I have to introduce you in the cold open and then introduce or like I guess not introduce you in the thing. I don't even know. What isn't that the beauty of it that um, there's just this other person talking and (laughs) And they don't know yet.
1: They're going to get introduced at some point, (laughs) presumably. That's right. Or they won't. Or it's just like. Yeah, Hunter has a cold. His voice is a little Uh weird this week. Right?
0: Why does Hunter sound so different this week? And and we're referring to Hunter's kid? I didn't think Hunter had Mm -hmm. a kid. Yeah, I'm excited because this is a week where I get to talk to you, Justin, about uh, what it's like to now play games as a father and... What 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 that has meant for you and what has changed. What what games matter? <laughs> yeah, exactly. The precisely and how rude actually the biggest thing is to say we've been trying to do an episode with you for like no joke a year maybe? Like but I think before Maybe like, longer, yeah. Dude. like I like since the start of this show, we've like wanted to do a few episodes with you, and at one point it was supposed to be Neverwinter Nights, I think, or uh, Icewind Dale. Icewind Dale, that's right. You and Hunter were gonna do an Icewind Dale episode. And that was when you did have maybe non-parent time, but you didn't have work time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then you switched mm-hmm. non-work time for now I'm a parent time. And then we still mm-hmm. asked you to play a massive RPG. So apparently we're just... You did do that. We that's can't. <laughs> <correct>. <laughs> so I'm sorry. Next time it'll be an episode where Matt and Justin play like a 10-minute puzzle game because that's what we could do on our phone. That current week.
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I I look forward to that. <laughs> but uh, the other way to think about it is that, um, you know, Fallout 2 is like kind
0: of a forever game. Uh-huh. And you
1: can just casually dip into play 10 or 15 minutes of.
0: Okay. And, um, That's right. Know, this is you, a lifestyle game. Fallout 2 is right. just you just sort of. And actually, I do feel that we'll talk about that in a bit. But I've, I I feel that sense of like, I could keep my save where it's at and then just like crack, grab it later and see how it goes. Or like run parallel
1: saves uh-huh. with different
0: builds. Whoa. Parallel said you're opening up an echelon saves coming. I have not uh, come around to yet.
1: It's definitely it's like the galaxy brain. Where- yeah. Yeah. <laughs> i'm exploring all of the like parallel universes simultaneously Uh
0: (laughs) that's terrifying to imagine the amount of time to like be actively playing a game three times basically (laughs) like to be in the process of i'm playing this but i also want to see what it would be like if i played it this way and then at Mm -hmm. what point do you cut one playthrough off or does that third playthrough turn into three more playthroughs and it's just ballooning out larger and larger
1: what you're describing is the process of writing a uh, branching
0: tree. Oh, entry. of course. Yeah, it's your whole job. Oh, good. <laughs> so, yeah, sounds cool. Let's do it. Let's-a go. Well, hi and welcome to the Old Gamers Almanac, it's me, I'm Matt Martins, and this is every video game every week at a time. Uh, The definitive ranking of such, we are here to rank video games. I'm here as the host this week. I do not have a co-host this week hunter is not here instead i am joined by the wonderful writer and narrative designer at zaum uh the creators of disco elysium it's justin keenan good friend of the show what's up not a whole lot man i'm excited to be here finally yes exactly uh it's it truly has been a long time coming and uh of course even before the 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 legend of us finding out what you do has been hilarious because uh, maybe people that are listening to this don't know we haven't we have another show called Space Cats Peace Turtles we talk about uh, Twilight Imperium we also talk a lot about Root uh, and Justin you were kind of fans of both I I think I mean I don't know that how much Ti you've played but. We got to know you really well in our escapades, really learning route and whatnot. Yeah, definitely. Um, I have played zero games of Twilight Imperium. There we Imperial. go. I'm perfect. But you listen know what? to you,
1: a non-zero number of your episodes about it. <laughs>
0: i'll never understand that but uh i i appreciate it but uh don't I, ask I, me to explain yeah of course i have a document still saved in my google drive that is matt and justin's root faction where you and i for like oh, a yeah. week or 2 were sort of like bouncing ideas back and forth with each other on ideas for a, a weird uh, a weird faction we wanted to do in 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 root
1: well we were working on a turtle faction that's right and then the uh uh the marauders expansion got announced and originally the what evolved into the badges was going to be turtles and then yeah. we're like oh my god we what don't are we have gonna to make do it yeah. anymore <laughs> it was great no it was liberating totally. <laughs> we we were, like, oh, they're, they're just going to do it exactly and then we could just play
0: we were the done. thing of our dreams uh and, but uh, and so it became something else within that you uh hunter was doing some video game streams a long time ago and at one point we found out that you worked on disco elysium and i had not even touched it yet but hunter super super liked Disco Elysium and was like, well, my friend Justin could come on and, w- and you and Hunter did a, we did a horrible job of backing it up. It is lost to the sands of time, but you and Hunter did like a cool Twitch session of like you walking him through a section of Disco Elysium mm-hmm. and talking about like the writing you contributed and the writing and work that your team did in that area and everything. And it was such a cool... It was such a cool stream,
1: and it'll only get cooler with time now because we can only talk about <laughs> all, how great it was. It's
0: just a legend that no and one it'll can prove. Never
1: be forced to like make contact with reality, <laughs> which is uh, how it should be, honestly. Yeah,
0: and then we went and both played it to completion and decided it was the best game of all time. So for that, Justin, thanks for contributing to the number one game still on this list as of uh, this, our 89th episode. But Matt, will today be the day Exactly, it falls to number two? (laughs) Must we dethrone? Finally! Does that mean you get fired or is it bad PR for you to dethrone your own game on a podcast? Oh wait, your company probably doesn't care about this particular podcast. I I think we'll be fine. (laughs) I think we'll survive. (laughs) Well today we are talking about Fallout 2 Uh, From 1998, it is a classic isometric computer RPG from Black Isle Studios. It is, like, sort of a part of the legendary set of many games these people put out. Uh, What published by Interplay, is that right, still Mm at this time? Um, And Fallout 2 is the the follow-up to Fallout 1, but is known for... Perhaps, um, I mean, in in everything I had heard about it before playing it, I I was always told it was the sort of maybe more forgiving or at least sort of tighter gameplay-wise game of the two. I don't know if that holds true at all, but that's how it was presented to me at one point. And also Mm. a bit more of the more irreverent one. Fallout 1 is maybe a bit more self-serious about its world, whereas Fallout 2 is the one where they decided to get pretty zany out there.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, and I think we'll we'll get into what that
0: means for like, ramifications a series ramifications of as a whole. Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, can you speak to this sort of era of RPGs and especially this era of like writing for these kinds of games and sort of the 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 history coming into Fallout Two and and maybe I don't mm-hmm. know you might know more about the um, sort of studio dynamics at play in the creation of Fallout Two.
1: Yeah, a little bit. I mean, this is um, the. Original Black Isle Studios was sort of it's kind of like come down to us as this like golden age of role playing Mm -hmm. games, Mm -hmm. or at least of um PC role playing games. And if you look at just the kind of games the studio put out in that time, it's a kind of a rogues gallery. Yeah. So there's uh Fallout, Fallout Two, Icewind Dale, Icewind Dale two, Planescape Torment, which you guys are are
0: doing later this season. Later.
1: Yeah. and that's awesome actually because like that game and Fallout 2 have a kind of intertwined mm. uh, development history mm-hmm. which uh which we could get into and then kind of like in parallel to that you have the Baldur's Gate games which were made by uh by BioWare of course but um used the same engine uh the Infinite which is not in Fallout so I don't, don't mm-hmm. want to confuse that but so this was the era of um the isometric rpg which is was kind of like the dominant role-playing game format until i I think really until bethesda came along and made first person 3d rpgs yeah uh the thing for a while and then they were kind of lost it it was like a genre that didn't really exist uh for, for many years. Because yeah. well, BioWare um,
0: too started to go off and, you know, BioWare's formula going off into things like KOTOR and Jade Empire and eventually Mass Effect, Mass Effect. broke away a lot from, from this sort of genre into a much more action. Both both choosing much more action focused uh, mm-hmm. styles uh, and just trying to keep as much of the story stuff as they could, basically. <laughs> yeah, yeah, to like Varying uh, effects, really. <laughs> yeah, definitely. So with Fallout Two, then uh, we're talking about um, a, a somewhat different creative team on board, though. There, you know, the 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 mm-hmm. main progenitors of Fallout One are were notably not as involved, or perhaps in some cases, not involved at all in the creation of Fallout Two.
1: Yeah. So, like the story that you hear um and and tim Kane, the original designer on fallout has a great series of mm-hmm. sort of video diaries where he's been reflecting on on that period in the yeah. development of um fallout and and a little bit on fallout 2 uh which everyone should check out yeah um but yeah the story is that uh fallout was a kind of like backup b-tier project for black isle at that time and um it was made with a very small team kind of uh underground like it didn't have like super high expectations Mm -hmm. and then you know in the kind of like playtesting period they discovered like oh shit we kind of have a hit on our hands yeah right and then it came out uh, it was this big runaway hit for for black isle and um then they were like okay we got to make a sequel right away Mm -hmm. and um i think don't quote me on this but i think the story is that like fallout one took three years to develop including you know designing and building the engine from scratch and Mm -hmm. all of that uh and fallout 2 shipped in about nine months My gosh! (laughs) even though it's like a much bigger game yeah
0: yeah yeah the the Uh, amount of writing that very clearly there was no way there was going to be like a second draft to that writing because there just simply wouldn't possibly be enough time
1: (laughs) yeah right and the other part of that was like uh Tim Kane, the lead designer, and then um Leonard Boyarski, the mm-hmm. art director, both left to found Troika, which then made Arcanum, which is the other kind of mm-hmm. like jewels of that CRPG era. Right. And so um they were gone and you can kind of feel that like okay, what the the aesthetic of Fallout, you know, is uh was like really or like what what could be considered Fallout mm-hmm. was kind of like kicked wide open. Right. Um yeah. In ways like some of which are really interesting to talk about, uh-huh. some of which are like w- we were just talking earlier about, like with our twenty twenty three person like uh-huh. hindsight, looking back and be like, wow,
0: that is really nineties. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> super duper nineties. Well, okay, let's let's talk then about what what it means for this to be like a an isometric mm-hmm. computer RPG and what, what that meant at one point. Cause I think something too, as a person who myself, who really only started playing like proper RPGs and I even use the term proper loosely. And I think people will uh, even be mad at me for saying proper because like I started basically mm-hmm. with oblivion. I had played like mm-hmm. some Pokemon games before that, but I wasn't playing JRPGs. I wasn't playing Western RPGs. I, uh, I knew my friends really liked Knights of the Old Republic at a certain point, but like I really only came up in this stuff as it became more actiony, and um, it felt like these games were like the stuff of legend. Um, and if anything, what I understand more about the space, especially as like more Fallout games have come out under Bethesda, and you kind of hear the same complaints with every single subsequent. Fallout game or every subsequent Bethesda game really which is that like the writing is getting worse the plots are getting worse the quest lines are not as interesting because this era of RPGs was like writing forward that's all that's what the game was I mean the the gameplay in in Fallout 2 in particular is a turn-based comment where uh, you have like these action points and anything you want to do uses up like a number of blips on your thing you have like 10 little blips or nine little blips and you know (laughs) to shoot a gun is five of those which means you can just like shoot a gun once per turn and then maybe like move a couple spaces or whatever it's like kind of a it's all set up on a big hex grid but like, that's very simplistic combat. And and there's not even that much in Fallout 2 specifically. There's not that much in the ways of, like, numbers. You just get a gun and you have ammo on that gun. Mm-hmm. And you're not really doing very much to, like, you can up your gun's ability. And as far as I know, that mostly just improves your hit to your, your chance to hit. Maybe not even necessarily your damage. I don't remember. I think it probably affects some of your damage. But it's like, the numbers aren't a huge deal to these games. And it is more about yeah. the immersion of the writing that you are engaging with.
1: Yeah, I think especially compared so so here we're getting a little bit into how Fallout is different from even the other Black yes, Isle games right. which tended to be uh or or like all the the main ones are like based on the D&D rule set. Exactly. Right. Which um you know, my so like my first of these CRPGs was Icewind Dale mm-hmm. um which is like based on D&D 2nd edition and it um came with a giant, I remember buying the physical copy of it, came with a giant uh, spiral bound guide that was kind of a condensed version of like D&D 2E rules. Wow. Uh, And um, I had to like memorize like what uh, two hit armor class zero meant. Oh my gosh.
0: Yeah. You
1: know, it was, um, you know, you guys talk sometimes about that era when the game kind of expected you to have read the manual before yeah. you could get into it.
0: Right. And in this case, um, not just the manual, but a like a, a 200 page document that uh, it wants you to really have committed to memory, basically. Right.
1: Which is also, to be clear, separate from the uh, other spiral bound guide to <laughs> mage and cleric spells. <laughs>
0: yeah which was incredible
1: and should be brought back okay cool sure yeah
0: yeah no we should we should have at our desktops we should have like a list a a spread of manuals in front of us honestly another game I've been slowly dipping into uh, over time has been Wing Commander 3 which is also a like uh, I need the manual up because I got to remember how to fly this ship because there's about 4,000 hotkeys and there's no way you're just going to remember all of them and we don't have uh, modernized like flight sticks really anymore Mm. that are easily accessible Mm-hmm, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, so to to that end, you know, these are in some respects incredibly crunchy games where it is all about the numbers. Or in Fallout's case, like so much about the narrative. Stripped down. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and and I think too, the thing I've always known about both Fallout Two and our upcoming One Planescape Torment. If anything, it's like it feels like you know we're trying to do this '90s season where we're covering. We're trying to cover like a broad swath of what was coming out in the 90s and and like these are going to be our two rpgs but they're really of Mm -hmm. a similar ilk and we don't have that like number crunchy rpg we have the two that are like the whole point is supposed to be that there's lots of choice lots of player choice going on i think planescape torment is the one that's much more famous for that where it's like the narrative that one goes in like wild directions that are different from from each other but Fallout 2, I think, is still known somewhat for that of, like, you can approach these problems in many different ways. You can be a sneaky character and just, like, steal mm-hmm. anything from anyone and progress the plot that way or whatever. And they're intended to be these, like, very open-feeling experiences that people nowadays complain. We, we thought that was going to be the future of games, right? That these this possibility mm-hmm. space was only going to open up, where mm-hmm. instead the 2000s and the 2010s gave us more action oriented fun to play stuff that like limited scope by huge margins basically
1: yeah i mean the way the other a kind of like sister genre to these games that's like super 90s as well is the kind of uh the early immersive sims like yes. deus ex right and that sort of thing and i think they they really represent two very different like philosophies of what a uh, a kind of narrative game ought to be mm-hmm. where on your kind of fallout and uh deus ex type end, where like, the idea is like we are presenting you a kind of like a sandbox with tools in it that we are not going to tell you how to put them together yeah. like fallout one of its like defining characteristics is like there are no classes right there's no like class progression you can follow mm-hmm. you just have a menu of skills that you cobble together right how you want and that that kind of fits the setting where like it's post-apocalyptic. There are no classes or professions yeah, anymore. It's right. just survival skills of various sorts. Mm-hmm. But that, that like pointed to a very different, uh, kind of like future for games than not just these more like action heavy games, but like distinctly cinematic games, Yeah, definitely. which are like, we want you to feel like you're playing a movie, which yeah. is like kind of where, um, it Bioware took things yeah. and, um, and, and like, lots of other uh big studios around that time and this kind of crunchier less hand-holding sometimes more obtuse Mm -hmm. or like less inviting style kind of became like yeah that's for like the grognards and like the the real
0: nerds right well what i learned is how much more than i realized uh, Fallout 2 also borrows just from like point and click adventure games of, of yep. the preceding era. You know, we recently played Grim Fandango and then we've played Spirit of Monkey Island on the show before. But I mean, there's literally like you have basically two hands and that like you can equip things to your hands. And mm-hmm. in many cases, the puzzle is like equip shovel to hand, then use shovel on dirt pile or whatever. Yep. And there's there's even less. Hand, like, within the context of Grim Fandango, you know to click objects against everything. But Fallout 2 is, like, not even necessarily reminding you very often that that's an option. It's also just, like, a lot of dialogue trees. And then you suddenly get met with a puzzle where you're like, well, what? I don't know what I'm supposed to do with this thing. Oh, wait, I can, I can kind of, like, make my mm-hmm. objects interact with stuff. And I, that mm-hmm. threw me through a loop a number of times. Every time the solution has been something like that, I'm like, oh, yeah, I forgot. I can, like... I don't just shoot guns with my hands. I also do stuff. (laughs) Yeah, it's
1: not just that it doesn't remind you. It doesn't tell you in the first place. Yeah, that's true. No,
0: it's exactly right. The first time you have to do something like that, it is because you decided to try it out, basically.
1: (laughs) Matt, did you know that you can blow up almost any door in this game
0: with a <laughs> rocket or a grenade? I did not, although that is the one. I mean, they do sword. They don't teach you that it's going to be true of every door, but in that initial temple, which I guess I didn't realize the, the Temple of the, the Ancients. The notorious temple. <laughs> yeah, I didn't know that was notorious. I did I, I did not struggle with it, and perhaps it's just my specific character build mm-hmm. uh was something that easily sidestepped the the problems of that temple mm-hmm. but but you do hit that moment of the only way to progress is to find the explosives and then yeah. apply explosives to door and then get away from door mm-hmm. or whatever but i mm-hmm. think maybe that's where i was benefited from having just played grim fandango like a couple months ago or whatever
1: yeah that's really funny i had never thought of the the original fallouts is having like dna with those yeah. lucas arts games mm-hmm. but having played uh return to monkey island like just a couple oh, of months yeah. ago yeah. coming back to uh to fallout 2 was like oh yeah there is that that similar kind of um like lateral thinking yes. at play which is very much not a part of most modern rpgs yeah and uh the other thing about fallout is that it, it's applied in really arbitrary kind of inconsistent <laughs> <ways>. yeah. <laughs> where it's like, why in this one area can I set a random radio down on the ground and it will distract people? Yeah. But that is
0: not like a consistent behavior. Right. Yeah. 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 There's, there's one part where you meet a ghost in a house Yep, and you can kind of <laughs> do her, this is very, very early on, but you can do a quest. And then when you complete the quest, her bones show up and it's like, I, I, it does, I don't even think the game is like lay her to rest. It's just like, okay, well, here's her bones, and yep. you can eventually, basically, and this is where I was, I was like half, I wasn't really following a guide, but I was like watching some videos alongside it, and so I just happened to have the solution to this quest spoiled for me, without even meaning mm-hmm. to. Uh, mm-hmm. And so you learn that you can take the bones and find, there's a cemetery in like the, the area over, and you can find her grave, and if you mm-hmm. found a shovel on the ground, which was near her bones, you can use the shovel on the grave site and then it's such a weird process though. That, that's where I got so obsessed with like this weird, like you're yeah. saying, it's out of nowhere the game's asking you to interact with its systems in a way that there's no promise that it'll ever even happen again like this. Like There's no indication yep. that I will do this again, basically. Uh, and, and the same is true of um, essentially your skill checks, but to me similarly the skill checks where like at any at any time in the game you can pull up your skill list and your skill Mm -hmm. list is really just like a limited set of sort of contextualizations of your abilities so it's not like Mm -hmm. you just can pull up your small guns skill or something but you do have like doctor and first aid and science and and things like that and those options i realized very much feel like a point and click like talk to, look at, walk to, mm-hmm. like, the the options in a LucasArts sort of menu list of point-and-click things, because that's how a lot of those things, like, there's the obvious ones where it's just, like, lock, pick, door, okay. But mm-hmm. then when it's, like, there's a guy laying sick on the ground, I will use doctor on him to get a better sense of what's going on with this guy, because I can't talk to him otherwise. And, yeah, yeah. The, it really n- is never interested in, in telling you you can do that. You just sort of have to know it. Right. And and part of I think that comes out of, you know,
1: everyone making these games played loads of D and D in the eighties and right. early nineties. Yeah. And that kind of that assumption is built in mm-hmm. that you are just gonna ask the DM, Hey, could I use this skill yeah. on this thing? Yeah. And I I think too when if you're playing a game like fallout or fallout 2 with that in mind it doesn't seem hostile in the way that it kind of does if you like are used to games that tutorialize their yes. systems more right because it is more like i'm going to i don't expect any random thing i attempt to work right but when you discover something that does you're like oh man that's fucking magical yeah that's yeah. Like so cool absolutely that. it feels um, like
0: brilliant design because it feels like the developers thought of everything even if there's not yeah. always something to do. You find those instances where there must have been one designer at their office. who was like, oh, it'd be cool if I could use this thing right here real quick. And they just sort of throw it in there. And especially in the context of Fallout 2 where it's like they're just sort of sprinting to make those decisions in nine months. <laughs> right, 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 right.
1: Yeah, so it's kind of a miracle that those you know, you can still stumble upon those moments of like, huh, what would happen if I tried to rebury those bones? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> like, it makes them feel quite magical. And and that is like something that, uh, we at, at Zaunberg really do take from this era of games is yeah. that, you know, we our our systems, especially on disco are like way, uh, I would say kind of like new RPG player friendly. Mm-hmm. Totally. But especially when it comes to, like, the way we design dialogues, we also think about, like, what is the, you know, kind of, like, weirdest or most obscure, like, branch you could find your way into? Yeah, And right. it, it comes out of, like, just imagining, like, you're talking to this character, like, what's the weirdest thing you guys could start talking yeah. about and how far could you take it? Yeah. Right? And it, And sometimes we would bury kind of, like, weird secrets and stuff. In those deep in those branches
0: you bringing this stuff up reminds me to to a, a pluggable that i'll do on your behalf is people need to go and check out the gdc vault where you did a speech two or three years ago uh about the writing in uh in disco and you talk at length about that idea of like you know maybe there was a time where it felt like writing was was writing for those like, you know, in that Planescape Torment way of like, let's just like make a bunch of crazy branches. But what <laughs> budgets forced us into and, and the the Mass Effect franchise is like the most perfect example of this is like, well, it's not worth our money if 1% of players experience this little thing. Whereas <laughs> the 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 mentality you're describing is like, yeah, but wouldn't it be? cool like isn't that beautiful like isn't that so much more fun to engage with as a player is like finding that little nugget that maybe no one has found or whatever
1: well and if you put enough of those like one or two percent moments in the game the average player is going to find a couple of them yeah right 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 that that's like what makes it beautiful is that and it creates that that illusion it's all smoke and mirrors like you can't do anything you want in disco elysium or in Fallout Two. But getting the player to feel like maybe you could—that's right. like actually the the like highest you know uh, yeah. aesthetic experience that right. that you can aim for. I think for a, a, a role playing game.
0: Yeah, and I think that's the praise Fallout Two gets. Like above all else is that idea is that immersive sim style vibe of like I can solve almost any problem any way I want to that's like the famous thing of Fallout 1 right is you can get up mm-hmm. to the final boss and you can just tell the final boss if you have a high enough speech skill you can tell him to kill himself and then you win the game or whatever right or right. is that a Fallout? I don't even remember if that's Fallout 2 or Fallout I think that's Fallout 1 that's um, Fallout 1 yeah
1: right and they they kind of reprise that bit in, uh, in New Vegas at least or yeah, like yeah. every yeah. subsequent one has a kind of like the one moment where your speech 100
0: yeah really really comes through yeah (laughs) well uh let's let's talk then a bit about our own personal experiences with this this game and uh genre and i want to start with you because mine is uh so much more limited uh but you've talked a little bit about like you were already playing things like icewind dale and stuff but do you do you have like specific memories of playing fallout 2 uh either in 98 or or at some time in the past
1: yeah. So it wasn't, uh, 98 when I, I got into it, but it was around 2000, 2001. Okay. So, yeah. uh, at that time, so if we can get like real nostalgic for yeah. like pop USA and circuit city and that kind of thing, <laughs> um, there was a period where like interplay used to package two games into these like weird little, like two furs, yeah. you know, where it'd be like, Two games, one little box, and it would kind of unfold in this sort of beautiful origami-like way. Yeah. Wow. And uh, you could get Fallout and Fallout Two together. You could get um, Ascent, Free Space, and its expansion together. And there yeah. were like a couple others. Like I think, um, oh Matt, help me out here. Is MDK Two. Yeah. Yes, MDK yeah. Two in, in another <laughs> game. we like in one of these two first. Yeah. That was also an interplay. interplay game. That's right. And so I, I picked it up that way. And one of the cool things about Fallout at that time was that it was one of the only interoperable like mac and pc oh, games you oh yeah of course so i had this like big janky pc at my at my mom's house and at my aunt's house there was a mac and i could just take Move it between it. them wow
0: that is uh, cool i did not even know that was like possible at that at that time so that's that cool. Dude, this was
1: some, this was advanced advanced
0: <laughs> you were I- a I- capital g gamer
1: well, I mean, because when you go over to my insights, like, I'm yeah. either going to play that or like the bug game. Yeah, exactly. Loaded on. Yeah. Um, Your aunt doesn't have
0: marathon. Time. So, oh, well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um,
1: but anyway, uh, yeah. So I so I can play a lot of uh, I played a lot of those both of those games at that time. i have probably. Beaten each of them two, maybe three times. Yeah. And I've, I've recently revisited Fallout one mm-hmm. uh, as well, So. No, the, but those games, like, were pretty formative experiences, because also, you know, you, you play those games as, like, a 13 or 14-year-old, they're yeah. kind of like your first intro, not just to, like, hard games, uh-huh. but also, like, kind of serious adult-themed right. games, Right? Yeah. You hang out with the right kind of, like, nerdy crowd, mm-hmm. uh, you know,
0: being, like, the kid who's, like, yeah i played fallout (laughs) you Uh, get cool nerd points for for being the one kid who had access to fallout too right you did oh yeah you
1: guys are still playing pokemon that's Uh, cool
0: interesting interesting yeah no i Mm play fallout for adults so it's like i'm just like an adult and stuff so it's cool it's fine so in uh at, at that time what i'm curious about is when you would replay it like did you have a style of playing these games or that like on a replay was like the absolute goal to like go about solutions in a different way like oh i now i need to test the limits of what this game can allow for i
1: have this problem when i play rpgs which is i kind of have like i nearly always do the same kind of like mix or style builds Me when i too. play a fallout game yeah, absolutely to start yeah but then when i replay i always could say like i'm finally gonna do a traps run I'm uh-huh. gonna do traps and explosives uh-huh. and uh, i'm not gonna use guns at all and i'm just gonna like see what happens yeah and then you know, I make it a couple of hours in, it's sort of like, it's actually really hard to make right. different choices.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: Because if you, cause if you play these games, like, in the most immersive way, you think, like, what should I do? Uh-huh. Right. Um, and it, it kind of, like, to kind of, like, get as much out of these games as they have to offer, you you actually have to do a different mental thing where you just say, like, I have imagined this other character in my right. head, and, like, it's what they want that matters, not what yes. me, Justin, or, like, you, Matt... Yeah once
0: that that's absolutely so uh, a spoiler of what's coming at the end of this season is we're going to do like a little short replay season of like uh, 10 or 11 games that we're going to that we've already done for the show that we're going to like check out again and the number one thing we want to replay is Disco Elysium but I've been sort of nervous about picking it back up because I'm like I don't know man I played Disco Elysium very authentically myself the first time through as mm-hmm. much as as much as you can with uh with Harry and the way he forces his personality onto you, mm-hmm. but like, I want a very different experience next time in, but yeah, I'm like nervous because I, I also, I f- usually fail to the, to do that, especially in like Bethesda games. Cause there's not a lot of like real narrative choice in Bethesda games. There's just like mm-hmm. gameplay, cho- like what kind of thing do you mm-hmm. want to do? And it's like, I'll mm-hmm. start like a two handed sword thing or like a, like, I always want to start a shield based character. And I play that for like two hours. And then I'm just like, yeah, but I can also just grab this bow and just like kill the stuff from like 45 feet away and just sort of get through the dungeon real quick and easy. So I I, uh, and yeah, I just like fall out of the things I thought I was going to do
1: but what you're really saying that is you can't be rude to kim yeah you're yeah that, that's, that's a big thing.
0: no no genuinely when we when we come back to disco i'm like i have to play mean harry and i don't think i have it in me i don't i don't think i can do it i don't think i can be fascist cruel terrible harry but it's like i want to know what that side of the game looks like
1: <laughs> we put a lot of effort into like writing good stuff no i know for, yeah for the players who like <laughs> Make certain choices, or perhaps <laughs> say certain things to Kim uh-huh, uh-huh. during certain. Uh, yeah, that's probably. I'm
0: sure. I, I I don't know if you guys are able to collect stats, but if you did, if you were up in people's DRM and stuff, uh, what I imagine is the the. 0.01 percent of experiences players have is whatever is the meanest to kim path because i just can't imagine almost any players naturally gravitate towards the just like nah fuck kim ha, 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 ha.
1: yeah i think that's like a rumored playthrough that i sometimes see people allude to uh-huh. on uh, like <laughs> discord or reddit it's like i'm doing a like dick to kim <laughs> <playthrough>. uh-huh. Uh-huh.
0: <laughs> and, like uh, no you're not we know you're not i bet
1: Right, exactly. I bet most of them abandon that, yeah. like, <laughs> the way that you abandon your shield
0: build. Yes, exactly, exactly. And and that's, yeah, yeah. in Fallout, in Fallout games, for me, oh, it's for me, it's always been Bethesda Fallout games, because I, I start with Oblivion, yeah. I played a little bit of Fallout 3, and then eventually Fallout New Vegas, like, grabbed me super, like, I, I went whole hog in, into New Vegas. Totally. And what I really like, especially in New Vegas specifically, is speech high intelligence high uh high science high repair all of that stuff i just like Mm. to tinker with everything and talk my way out of problems more importantly though my big hang up with these games is because i am at heart a little bit of a min maxer i like just can't help Mm. but do some of the min maxing and at least in in like fallout new vegas and fallout 3 and stuff and i think it's true in fallout 2 as well your intelligence score affects how many points you get to attribute to skills per yeah. level up. Uh, and so I'm just like, well, if I don't have a nine or 10 intelligence, I'm just missing out on free abilities that would then let me don't do take more stuff. Skill perk, yeah. If I don't take thing, the skill, yeah. per, it's like, I, there's, there's a thing that must be done. My build doesn't start until level six or level eight until I've finished all the prerequisites for having a well leveling mm-hmm. character. And, and I think that's the one Thing. It's like, I like that. I actually just enjoy that kind of stuff in these games, even if it's, like, mm-hmm. very, like, formulaic and, and kind of by the books for me. Um, mm-hmm. there, there is a sense, though, that that uh, what where I think these games always fail me is within that what I'm actually saying is I need access to as many skills as possible so that I can actually do the skill checks, right? So that I can succeed at the skill checks and go through the game I... Uh, in the way that i want to go through it and uh if anything that was sort of the beauty of playing disco was like in that game it truly is fun to fail failure is not stopping progress on something it's shifting your progress in a new direction whereas in fallout 2 there's definitely times when it's like you didn't have the skill you went into this thing and oops Everybody's just fighting you now. Now you're in combat and you can either Mm -hmm. save and reload or you can sit here and die because your combat skills aren't high enough to deal with the fact that everybody in this room is now going to fight you and you have to try to like Mm -hmm. sprint your way out or whatever. So that those kinds of feel bad failed checks are just something I bounce off of most of the time and end up being like super save scummy to get around.
1: Yeah, it's... these these original Fallout games are like super brutal, even for their era. Yeah. In terms of um, how it's it's really assumed you're going to use quick save and quick load. Yeah. Right. Pretty aggressively. Right. Because um, you can get just like party wiped in a random encounter walking yeah. between two towns. Yes, exactly. Well, which... yeah.
0: Very early on in the game, r- the game really is like the next place you need to go it's on the complete other side of the map. And the only way to get there is Mm -hmm. to use the overworld and engage in at least like six or seven random encounters. And if you're not a combat character, that just means death or what is so much wilder is like realistically the solution. And it feels unintended, but also maybe it's just intended is like you can kind of gimmick the mechanics to... Like make it to where a combat just doesn't happen, and you can just escape it basically like there there's essentially mm-hmm. a way to flee more or less every combat you have have in the overworld or whatever, and it feels nasty to do until you just like divorce yourself from caring about it basically
1: <laughs> i I think it's intended that you should be running a certain amount yeah and and that's like you know there's no uh like, friendly tutorial screen that pops up that says, yeah. like, sometimes it's okay to flee combat right. you're, like, not right. prepared for. yeah, um, But it's also a game that's, like, not going to warn you if you somehow stray into an area that you were, like, disastrously underleveled for. Right.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it just will let you make that mistake on your own and you can save and reload right. and that's gonna be fine. And it just, yeah, it forces you to remind yourself to save often. and And the biggest points in this game of, like, Bad feelings is when you stumble into a skill check you weren't prepared for and then also realize you haven't saved for like an hour or something. Yeah. And, and those those certainly hurt, although I will note it's a game that. Since so much of it is like kind of tinkering around in the world and then like doing dialogue checks and then doing little sort of like click on this object to explore this thing. When you know exactly what to do, like you've done it all. You just did your thing. Oh, no, I have to save and reload or I have to I have to reload an hour ago. You quickly discover that hour was about five minutes mm-hmm. <laughs> of stuff that I that I could do if I know the well, game. Well, so actually, people, I want to yeah. ask you a
1: question about that because this is a <laughs> an experience that I have playing any CRPG mm-hmm. where if I have to reload because I. Fucked up or because I yeah. like, you know, whatever when i go through i want to make sure i talk to the exact yeah, characters yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> in the exact order and choose every dialogue option that because i, I think there's ramifications
0: yeah yeah i think this one dialogue prompt activated something in the code that will allow me to do something later that's my fear so my question to you justin is as a narrative mm-hmm. designer how scared of these little superfluous dialogue prompts should i actually be <laughs>
1: i can't speak for anyone else's <laughs> crpgs uh-huh. in disco yeah you should be pretty concerned
0: yeah 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 um,
1: <laughs> but i think in this it's almost more like it and, and this is like the power of a good role-playing game in a way it's like i want to be the person who did ask like yes by the way tell me about the history of this town
0: exactly yeah I, and you you just cycle through it really quickly like you're just yeah, like totally. a or whatever but mm-hmm. yeah I, absolutely i have to go through all of the exact same dialogues most of the time in the exact same order i did Mm -hmm. them last time or whatever Mm -hmm. uh and yeah yeah it it is all about recreating the moments and then you get up to like the threshold of where you regret having not saved and then you do your new save there it's like okay i reset the timeline correctly and we are back
1: (laughs) yeah i think i mean you worked in film right so like maybe this is like a thing that that you feel as well. But I sometimes feel like playing a game like uh like Fallout One where it's kind of expected that you're going to save and reload quite yeah. a bit. Yeah. Is less like you are playing an adventure than each new load is a take. Yes. And you are Absolutely. Like discarding takes that like fuck up because yep. you yeah. uh you know you missed your beat and got shot when yeah. you weren't yeah. supposed to get shot. And that... that what you're actually doing by playing this game is like you're in the editing suite yes. stitching together.
0: Well, like, and and RPG. to me if anything like that's what a role playing game means to me. And I think this is where Hunter would like differ quite a bit. Although I do think like mm-hmm. I think maybe if if anything like the issue is Fallout 2 really forces your hand because sometimes you can fail a thing and that's just it. Like you will die. You will you will be kicked out of the town or whatever. But in these instances for me, like Especially in, like, really sneaky games. If I get caught mm-hmm. in the sneaky game, I want to save and reload. Because I want mm-hmm. the script to be that I was the sneakiest boy. And I made it through all of the things. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't always love the, like, and I think this differs from game to game. But, like, the thrill of the I failed my sneak check and now everybody's after me. Like, to me, that's mm-hmm. usually just straight up and down the fail state. Like, that's it. I already mm-hmm. failed. I won't handle this cam- combat encounter very well. I'll lose all my mm-hmm. stuff and I'll die. Uh, whereas mm-hmm. I can just say, no, 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 no. I messed up that take, but I'm going to take it again mm-hmm. and and succeed the, the stealth check. And that, that goes for, like, stealing stuff from people. I definitely was uh- just doing that a few minutes ago, walking around the town. And that's where I think... It becomes actual save scumming versus the like, mm-hmm. well, I wanted this narrative path to go a certain way. I wanted to play mm-hmm. the role of the character that did X. Uh, mm-hmm. And and then save scumming is, Well, oh, I want to save before every time I steal from everybody so that I definitely succeed the steal and then move on. And then I have t- 14,000 gold <laughs> within like a matter of minutes.
1: But you don't think it is like part of... The journey to becoming the sneakiest boy that sometimes you you're not quite the sneakiest. Yeah, boy. I,
0: I think that there are limits to it. Um, and it just depends, especially kind of like I said, on what the game does to me when I do fail. I mean, because that's Indeed. that's certainly like that's what disco opened my eyes up to. Right. Was I'm OK with failing because I know the game's not going to just turn itself off. If I fail, except for if I get really, really scared of my tie or whatever it is at the very, very, very beginning. But that's also a fun joke that gets to get pulled on me or whatever. But like Disco doesn't kill you usually. And, and if it does, we're also in an era of like auto saves and stuff where you can you can pick things up relatively quickly or whatever. But yeah, I, I think there is a limit to the failure in a different example. It'd be like in, you know, in a cave in Skyrim I want to stealth archer my way through it. If I mess up, and it's not going to have some sort of n- massive narrative implication, and I know it's going to be somewhat easy to handle, or at least manageable to handle, then I'll stick with my my failure, right? And and I'll and I'll mm-hmm. work out the encounter. But if it just genuinely feels like a complete fail state, then I don't have any interest in kind of seeing it through. Here's the the real critical question to my mind. Do you, let party members die? <laughs> um, generally, no. So, like, in this playthrough of Fallout 2, the, one of the first or maybe the first uh, party member you can get is Vic. Uh, you, you, like, buy him off this slaver or whatever. But then, like, it's at the end of this thing where the immediate next thing you are meant to do is take this huge trek we were just talking about to the next big city yep. and my first time attempting that, he died like right away. And I was just like, I could keep doing this and I could survive this run, but I just mm-hmm. met this guy. I would mm-hmm. like to see where his narrative implications go. It's not interesting to me to have acquired a party member for him to die within uh, 45 seconds, basically. So that's where I'm like, no, we're trying again and we're keeping him. Now at this point, like as I'm gonna leave Vault City and I've acquired two more party members, if Vic yeah. dies, Eh, okay well we lost vic sorry that's that's the narrative implications of the road journey or Mm -hmm. whatever but yeah in that initial moment it was like no come on i just got him that's not fair
1: yeah but vic really sucks yeah yeah he's pretty bad (laughs) yeah no that that's like i i like to think that as i have like matured as a gamer Mm -hmm. and like Mm -hmm. person that i'm more comfortable with those like that the the journey does have to include like yeah unexpected party member deaths and so on right but i i can feel like booting up this game that a part of me is like 13 or 14 years old again yeah and like i am not gonna let sulik or cassidy die yeah um and but these days it's also like not because i have so much sentimental attachment to them but because I would made them carry so much of my stuff. Yeah,
0: exactly. All my stuff was on there. Or or in a lot of games cases too nowadays, like here's a New Vegas example. Eddie, I love Eddie with mm-hmm. every fiber of my being. And Eddie, yeah. Eddie has a, a quest line, right? That's the big thing with modern. I mean, it's always been kind of a thing, but like a lot of companions in these games have also their own quest line. And I'm not going to oh. let Eddie die if I haven't finished Eddie's quest line. Like, that's critical to me that I do the rest. That is what I'm trying to do on this playthrough. That's the mm. that's the arc I want to go on. So, yeah, it's not some sort of like, oh, well, the narrative took me in the direction where Eddie died. It's like, no, that's actually unacceptable because I'm specifically mm. trying to complete the Eddie quest this time around or whatever.
1: Do you think you would feel different if, all uh, right? Eddie dying did not result in a like quest fail yeah, thing in the journal.
0: Yeah, definitely. If if I could keep doing it and the context was shifted and now it's about me recovering the legacy of my fallen companion Eddie, that's bad that <laughs> rules. I mean, I, with no spoilers there is a point at which in Disco Elysium some some things can happen to your friends and the, the whole arc of the final section can be entirely different and I think both are awesome. Like it's it's great that both exist because they have different narrative implications in the way that you're describing, where it doesn't mean, oh, I just don't get to do this stuff anymore. It means, well, now I have a different way of experiencing this mm-hmm. arc of the mm-hmm. story.
1: So if we're talking about RPGs that are sometimes um that are not into hand holding, yeah. and are kind of obtuse.
0: Right. It might be interesting to bring in Elden Ring for a minute. Oh, sure. Oh, okay. Which you, dir- is... you dirty bird. Fine. We'll talk about Elden Ring for a minute. <laughs> I'm
1: sorry. I'm spraying this on you, dude.
0: Uh, but no, like something that I, that
1: I think is interesting about uh, Elden Ring, which like has no journal. <laughs> it mm-hmm. does not tell you what to be doing at totally. any given time. Right. It like that also has the effect of kind of obscuring. Like sometimes it obscures just like even what you're supposed to do at any given moment. Right. But Sometimes it's hard to say like whether you succeeded or failed mm-hmm. like any given like side quest or something. Yeah. But the fact that there is no journal to tell you you were a good sneaky boy mm-hmm. or like you know a bad shooty boy.
0: Yeah. yeah. It doesn't matter. I yeah, I think it's interesting because there's I I thinking about my own Elden Ring playthrough, I think it's certainly kind of on a variable scale, right? Where it's like mm-hmm. if you put a dungeon in front of me, in my head okay well I'm supposed to do this whole dungeon but I can think of a particular area I was in where I could tell there was more to dig around in but mm-hmm. I definitely was like I can't handle the stress of being in this place anymore and it's giving me an out right now and I'm just mm-hmm. going to take it and that's what ha- that's where that's what I did is I went I went out this way or whatever um yeah I, I my first playthrough I like just completely skipped around Stormvale Castle. You can just like sneak around it and and just not do yeah, it. Yeah, it's it's at incredible, <laughs> right? There's just like
1: a little path on the side yeah. of the map and you just be like, "Oh,
0: hmm, go over here and and but but yeah. the, like in that instance, it felt like it I felt the impact of not having done that. Like it it then felt yeah. like I was choosing to be even more aimless. And uh, that I'm not the right player for that level of aimlessness that that doesn't yeah. like do well for me. So similarly, in Fallout 2, there's like a bunch of extra little areas you can go to. But I think I'm very much a player who, if a specific quest line doesn't take me to a place... I tend mm-hmm. to not necessarily just venture off and go check it out. I don't wander. Bethesda, it's wild that I like Bethesda games because Bethesda games are known for just like, oh, you see that thing over there in the distance? Why don't you walk over to it and see what it's all about? But I don't yeah. do that. Like, I follow the quest markers and then experience all the stories along the way. I like to fill out, you know, the 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 vertical chunk of what I'm going towards, but I don't I don't mm-hmm. sort of spread out horizontally.
1: Yeah, I think like... Most with with most games, I like. I'm sort of like you. I'll maybe I, I play a little bit more completionist in some games mm-hmm. than others. But I um I'm not quite able to like adopt that like radical freedom mindset. Yes. That's like you know that's just someone else's story, man. You can right. like go you know, do what you want, or <laughs> like you know what what they used to say about um. Like the the early three D Grand Theft Autos, when they were trying to say, like, see, it's not just about like violence and like uh-huh. beating up prostitutes and that kind of thing. It's like you could deliver pizzas all
0: day. Yeah, you could just like drive a taxi because mm-hmm, if only and, it were fun.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, but but it like but I think there is something to embracing that mentality Absolutely. of like I just kind of want to see what will happen. Yeah, that right. I think Elden Ring manages to pull off mm-hmm. in a way that. Lots of other more ostensibly like narrative driven RPGs yeah. to, to me like now including Fallout 2, like don't don't quite hit right
0: right yeah I I agree with that I mean honestly a, a game we did for the show recently that um we didn't rank super highly but was just a thing I was already into from the outset as we we played an indie game called Chia uh, by Awaseb Games and it is so invested in. You caring about the very real world culture they have based it off of. This is like a mm-hmm. this is like a historical document. This is like a tourist document that is a game where it's like we just want to teach you about New Caledonia. And in that way, even if what I'm doing is like I'm walking up to a a, a person cooking stuff and they say, "Do you want to buy my food?" In this instance, I'm like, "Yeah, I want to check out everybody's food because because the creators of this game have explicitly told me." Hey, like you can, uh, you, you, you need to see the food that we love or whatever. Uh, so to me, uh, when it's inviting me in, in that way, I click into those really sort of banal things a lot more.
1: Yeah. So maybe it would be like good for, for a few minutes to like come back to like what fallout two does present to us and like where we, we got into it or like where we may have bounced off his dad's in the year of our right. lord 2023 <laughs> exactly
0: yeah, yeah yeah well let's talk about our recent playthroughs where uh neither of us got wildly th- i mean i we've had a lot of like rescheduling this season where the games we were supposed to play have like moved a number of times this is one that actually got i think delayed a number of times but it still was like there's no way we can play all of this thing mm-hmm. um and i just became more and more okay with it because it's like I don't know, man, this game would be totally content with me playing it for like maybe a 100 hours. <laughs> like that might be possible on a single save, uh, with, with how much like side content there is. I was looking at playthroughs and hadn't even realized that like, you get to a city called New Reno, and you could mm-hmm. spend an entire game's length in just new reno alone let alone the rest of all of the areas this game has to offer you new reno is like an absolutely massive area but um, my playthrough was uh i i had started fallout 2 a couple of times like many years ago uh, but this was my first time trying to dive into it in earnest and i basically got as far as i'm like maybe halfway through burning through the stuff you do in vault city which is not very far if people know the game like Mm -hmm. they will recognize i did not get super far into the game um i chose a like i said level nine intelligence i think pretty high agility i forget my other sets mostly i just am concerned with speech and science and intelligence and then very quickly realized uh oh all of my early points have to go into guns because literally combat is a horrific nightmare if you don't have any good combat skills because you just sit there missing every single role and even then like i'm now up to like maybe 65 in small guns and i still miss Oof. more than 50 pre- it's like you, you need an 85 level or higher combat skill to even function in this game
1: <laughs> yeah and that that's like part of the uh <laughs> in air quotes like radical freedom <laughs> yeah yeah this sort of design where it's like you could put all of your points into energy weapons yeah yeah to start and uh, you will not see one of those for
0: dozens of hours yeah exactly you, you will not be uh, met with the fruits of your labor that's been true in a lot of- I-, I think it's only until fallout 4 that they're finally like oh wait we should like give them access to some laser pistols <laughs> early on or right. whatever um, Right. right but so the rest of okay. my playthrough uh has yeah i mean I, I dove right into the the speech thing which is why maybe the temple of agents wasn't too hard for me because you could just talk your way out of the temple of agents uh and i'm mm-hmm. sneaky too I, I started with a really high sneak as well so i was just like sneaking past ants and got like the temple of ancients was not a big deal and then i later am reading stuff and everyone's like it's the worst starting area of all time i'm like oh dang mm-hmm. i guess with any other character areas. yeah if you can't yeah. sneak and skip the final conflict uh it's it's much more difficult and proves sort of the difficulty of the game itself but um i really like uh the like once you're in a, a town or a city and the focus is just like popping between however many areas are in that city and just like really focusing on uh more or less like mission completing that area yeah that really uh engages me as a player i would say um any sense of like needing to come back to any of these towns later i'm not going to do that <laughs> well, but, <laughs> except for when that except for when the game forces me to like i know later on you go you are forced to go back to arroyo but like all the other stuff especially because of how much i do not like the overworld of this game and and how you navigate yeah. slowly across the overworld i have no intention of ever returning to places to like bounce back and forth and complete a few quests or whatever. If they're not within like a 10 second gap of each other.
1: Totally. And there are a couple of they call it like major pieces of side content. You can like pick up early on that mm-hmm. are kind of like multi town. Yeah, right. Things, um, but like especially cause like the overworld in this game is so brutal. Yeah. Like those are things that just kind of go down as like, right? I will get to these when I'm way, way
0: stronger. Than I am <laughs> yeah, now. when I can manage this. Yeah, I, I, I mean, like I said earlier, I spend so much of my time in the overworld taking advantage of the the essential idea is there is a button to initiate combat on your own, mm-hmm. and if you see the little lightning bolt of you're about to do a random encounter, you can just start spamming that button, and mm-hmm. the game decides you got the drop on the geckos or the robbers or the bandits or whoever you are about to engage with you get to act first and that's just enough time to turn on sneak and make a run for it and then maybe not have to and then like exit combat and just walk out of the area or whatever and that's like how you skip most of the areas and that is That is now how I treat the overworld is like, I'm not a combat character, so it's actually okay that I've completely gimmicked this system into letting me Mm -hmm. move away from all this stuff. So I'm curious, Matt, because you you have like a lot of history with New Vegas Mm -hmm. and uh,
1: some of these like Bethesda era Fallout games. Yeah, I want to hear from your perspective. What was it like in playing this coming coming back and seeing this like way earlier iteration? Absolutely of the the game and kind of like the whole
0: idea of fallout it's so interesting because the legacy of these games was introduced to me like completely backwards like i'm such a normie with how these games happened to me which is to say i liked oblivion then fallout 3 was bethesda's next game and in my college dorm there was one kid who had fallout 3 on their pc and i only knew it as oh it seems like it's that game where you can get like a flaming sword made out of car parts or whatever. And that's like as much as I knew about the game. And I didn't really play very much Fallout three until a couple years later. And then I was working at a video game store in college when new Vegas came out. And I was finally like, okay, I'll check out one of these Fallout games. Even if from my understanding, new Vegas was this Fallout game made by not Bethesda. Mm -hmm. not this new Vegas game written by mostly the team who originally cared about this stuff. I just understood it as they let some other studio make one of these games or whatever obsidian Mm -hmm. gets to do this and Mm -hmm. going into it with the expectations that it would be sort of even buggier than a standard Mm -hmm. Bethesda game, which was true Mm -hmm. at launch and especially like on 360 or whatever. Uh, And not only that, but, my thinking going into new new vegas was it seemed like it was also sort of a rush job like it 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 came out not that long after Mm -hmm. fallout three and it was just like some people who were given the engine and told to write for it basically which is like that's a really enticing pitch though even if it's like well it won't be some like wildly new mechanics thing but it will be a team of people who actually only had one goal which is to write this game as opposed to like fully design its systems and everything else Um, even though there are some system changes in New Vegas but I came into New Vegas with those assumptions and the biggest thing that hooked me about New Vegas was uh, honestly because I like playing these games with like big time dialogue stuff I bounced off Fallout 3 because even as you level stuff I can't stand a percentage based skill check that is percentage based off of my like I hate Maximizing my investment in speech, having a 95% chance to succeed this role and still failing. Mm-hmm. That just feels bad to me because it's like, I spent a bunch of levels not investing in combat so that I could be good at this and I still... Didn't get to, and, get, and again, it's it's in a lot of cases too, it's turning off like a whole quest line or turning off a whole way to deal with this quest, which is like supposed to be what my character was good at or whatever.
1: So, oh, dude, how is Disco Elysium your number one game? Ah, we'll get to that. We'll get to that. We'll get to that. <laughs>
0: because, because Disco Elysium taught me there is a different way is the whole thing. But, and, and because again, Disco Elysium does not, doesn't tell you you fail. It says you can try again later uh, if you want, or you can choose, you can let this be. A, a shift in the narrative. Whereas it's like very often uh, the way a fall, the way the Bethesda fallout games set a thing up to you is there is option A. I want to help the town. There's option B. I want to kill the town or there's mm-hmm. option C because you have 100 science. I want mm-hmm. to repair the thing that saves everybody. Right. Mm-hmm. And in that instance, if you fail the repair, the save, I Mm -hmm. haven't been given a new narrative thing. I'm just resigned to the baseline method Mm -hmm. of playing. And that's just like not Mm -hmm. interesting to me because I'm looking for Mm -hmm. that unique experience, that unique playthrough moment. Mm -hmm. And so with New Vegas, the beauty of New New Vegas that I'm obsessed with is you go into a dialogue tree and it tells you, hey, if you want to experience the like other way to do this, you have 40 out of the necessary 50 science points you could bow out of this we are not trapping you in this dialogue tree you could duck out go level up your science come back and finish this storyline the way you want to finish this storyline with the with the succeeding the science check and there's no role that's going to happen if you come at it with the 50 science Mm -hmm. you will succeed the science check and that fulfills my like i want to play the role of the character that mm-hmm. succeeded the check uh sort of thing that power That's fantasy. fascinating yeah that's fascinating am i like yeah, upsetting like... the way you write your games <laughs> completely like well i, I don't write I games mean, for matt <laughs> i
1: don't think i mean i think you made a good point though that like you know these are, are different games with different notions of role playing mm-hmm. um to me it is extremely immersion breaking to see a dialogue option that i cannot choose yeah yeah and it um it really bugs me because to me it's like the dialogue options are things my character is thinking and how can I be thinking this thing I can't do. Sure,
0: right. You know what I see that is? Because I think I see the system design of these. Like, I'm not immersed. I I just baseline. I'm not actually immersed in the dialogues Mm -hmm. of these characters. I, Mm -hmm. I see them for the opening up dialogue paths that they are and I mean at least with like uh, a bunch of these games, you know, we're still in the era of the text that you're going to say is what you say, as opposed to the Fallout right. Four thing, where it's like, yes, and your character's like, yeah, and fuck you too, and it's like, wait, no, 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 no. <laughs> right, 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 right. <laughs> but in the era of I know exactly what the intent behind my words is, uh, you know that I I find that stuff more rewarding. But I will say, I mean, even within Fallout Two, that's not always the case, or at the very least, I. I found characters I'm talking to would in would would react to the things I'm saying in wildly unpredictable ways. I mean, especially like yeah. the big the big example I've been having is in Vault City. I mean, it's an incredibly hostile city. They're horrible people in this in this town, basically. So it makes, thematic sense that this was like a not inviting place to be and if you don't just like capitulate everything to them and basically treat them like these benevolent overlords they want to be they'll kick you out of their town but gameplay wise what that means is if you even push back against them for a second they're like get out you're done this whole gameplay area is closed off from you now you got to figure out how to do all of this a different way and like that's just like super feels bad basically i i you Mm -hmm. know that that makes me bounce off of it and save and reload or whatever it doesn't
1: make you say like this feels bad because this place is bad and fuck these guys yeah
0: well it's it's you know what it does but i think my solution to that is then i i want to go back to a time where i better understood their game and i want to be the character that recognizes They just want to be capitulated towards so we'll do just enough to get what I want from them. I think I'm always playing a little bit like a pirate in these games where I always Mm -hmm. want to be kind of swarmy and super charismatic and like get what I want from people. I love Mm -hmm. when the dialogue options are like, yes, I'll do this but you do have to pay me and I love when that is like met with not just like absolute like, okay, yes, here's the extra hundred gold because you chose that option but it's like I like that vibe of a character that's like really in it for themselves. So especially in the fallout world like that feels just yeah, i think it comes totally. from me liking new vegas is like it's a world where survival is key and so being a character that's out to get theirs but then is also doing super helpful things along the way i that that's the kind of character i like right
1: benevolent but not a sucker
0: yeah exactly exactly right and and so it's like if i have to like in this particular instance you know in in vault city I'm trying to get a device that will help the people in the nearby ghoul town get mm-hmm. their water working, and it's like, well, mm-hmm. I do genuinely want to help those people, which means I need to con Vault City out of their resources and their stuff. I yep. need to, I need to steal from the rich and give to the poor, and I want that to be the story of what happened in my game, and I don't want to fail at that. I don't like, you know, like you know, just the 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 power trip of like, no, what I want to have had happened in this playthrough, is I suckered Vault City out of their device, gave it to the good guys, and and all was right with the world, or whatever. But you're right that I, I, like, shy away from that conflict of the game being like, no, 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 they're mean people, so they kicked you out, and that's the consequences of your actions. I think I don't like the consequences of my actions. I like the game to feel the consequences of my actions. <laughs>
1: yeah, so, like, what I, what I found myself, like, kind of thinking about uh coming back to fallout 2 after having not played it for Matt almost 20 years Mm -hmm. i think Mm -hmm. um was like you know i i experienced these games before any of the bethesda ones um came out and so like that was i had in my mind this like this is what fallout means or feels like to me right but now i'm at a point in my life where like i have probably spent more time and more hours with New Vegas and Mm -hmm. Fallout 4 Mm -hmm. and a little bit less with like Fallout 3 than I have with either Fallout 1 or Fallout 2 and stuff, you know, having now replayed Fallout 1 and Fallout 2, like the thing that that jumps out about Fallout 2 is just like how tonally different Mm -hmm. it is from not just Fallout 1, but even from a lot of these Bethesda games. Yeah. you know, we were talking about this earlier as like product of the late nineties. Yeah. And yeah. it has that like like meta self aware, mm-hmm. like sometimes like Kevin Smith like yes, attitude to its like yeah. pop culture references or the kind of like meta sarcastic moments. Yeah. That it knows it's a game
0: real. a little bit too much, basically, or yeah, yeah.
1: Right. Like it's got a famous line where like, you know, you make it to um I think it's Vault City where there are no kids. Mm-hmm. And there's a famous dialogue option where, where you ask why there are no children. And if you have a high enough intelligence, you can say, oh, weird. I thought this was because I was playing the European version of Fallout 2 <laughs> where they took out the kids yeah. because in European games, you can't uh, yeah. murder. children, Right. Wow. <laughs> um, and And the game is just like full of those kind of moments. Yeah. Right from the jump when you're still in, it's not like you develop a sarcastic meta persona, yeah, it's like right there when you're leaving arroyo, yeah, and it, it to me, like seeing those options now is just like i I don't know, man, that just puts you in a very different mindset mm-hmm. um, but but at the same time, like Fallout Two is the game that introduced a lot of the things that we now think of as like canonical fallout, yeah ideas, yeah, yeah. like. They did. The vaults are all kind of like weird social science experiments right. done by the vault tech company. Right. That's not in Fallout One. Yeah. Um, and,
0: um, like the factions the, that play the world itself is very like so many things are at the very least fleshed out. Right. Like you go to the actual yeah, like, NCR base in this one and, and learn so much more about like a major power player in the world of 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 these games. Totally, totally, and it, it even like
1: starts developing some of the more interesting themes that the other games explore. It's like in Fallout 1, the kind of like secret of what made OG Fallout what it was is that it was taking this like Mad Max or like Wasteland type setting mm-hmm. and saying like let's transpose like a bunch of D&D tropes onto it. Right. So you've got like your super mutants are your orcs, yes. your ghouls are your zombies, your um, the Brotherhood of Steel are like paladins they're even called paladins right right right. and and kind of like jamming these two aesthetics together in a way that like works very pleasingly Mm -hmm. but what that also means is like fallout one feels like a kind of gritty post-apocalyptic fantasy because there is like the ghoul city which is the necropolis Necropolis, right right. and there is like the the orc army which is just it's mordor like it's it's (laughs) the Mordor orcs are coming for you and like there's no like there are very few super mutants you can talk to at all Mm -hmm. but fallout 2 you you get a place like broken hills which is one of the best locations in the game where it's sort of like okay what does a society look like where you have humans and ghouls and super mutants like living together and they all have their kind of like particular backstory and preoccupations and interests and Mm -hmm. and whatever and it um uh you know, that that is kind of like the social fabric that future Fallout games right. are made out of. Um and it's also like Fallout Two that establishes the sort of um like B science fiction as mm-hmm. one of the the kind of like big reference points that's drawn from. Yeah. Um and I think every you know, even if Fallout Two, I think for for my taste, for like a lot of people's tastes, I think it veers too far into some of the the zany weird uh yeah. aesthetics, it does kind of set a like the the other end of the goalpost that the best Fallout games kind of like thread their way between. Right. Where like you've got uh a game taking itself a bit more seriously than Fallout 2, but that still like builds on the the world that the original Fallout introduced yeah. in ways that are um uh, that are, like, a bit broader. Yeah. Because, like, it's funny, you play Fallout 1, if you don't know any of the other context around these games, you would not think this is a game that could support
0: a lot of sequels. Right. Right, Um, because it's such a singular, sad little world, and just, like, everyone's dying, we need this device, or else we're just all gonna die. (laughs) Like, yeah, it, it, it doesn't necessarily support even the idea of a world very far outside of the region we're in. Precisely.
1: And, you know, I think, like, to lay my cards on the table i think fallout new's vegas is the best of the fallout yeah. games yeah and um that is the one that i think most effectively blends the, the humor because like fallout one is not a funny game yeah right. there's like barely there there are a couple of characters or situations that are that are comic mm-hmm. but um it is not a satirical mm-hmm. like setting the way that the fallout series kind of evolved to become right Right. Because like if you're describe like the world of like a modern fallout game, it's like post apocalyptic satire with like sci fi horror yeah. undertones. Right, right, right. And, and that's just like a totally different thing from yeah.
0: well. And, and of, I like... think that's a reason I've always even personally bounced off of Fallout three is I find Fallout three pretty drab, at least in mm-hmm. the like the critical path. Maybe I haven't played enough of it, so I've never gotten to what are maybe the weirder places. Uh, in Fallout 3, but I feel like I've mm-hmm. always experienced Fallout 3. as just, like, past a certain point, I just get, like, a little bit tired of being mm-hmm. there. Like, the uh, the only goofy character I can think of is the woman you're making the survival guide for. And there's a lot of so- mm-hmm. somewhat kind of, like, irreverent but, like, tonally fitting stuff with her, I feel like. But outside of that, yeah. like, I, I really think the... It, it's, it comes down to, the like... Stuff that people commonly hate about, like the green filter and things. There's just really an uninviting quality to Fallout 3. And New Vegas is just so much more. I, I think my favorite thing about New Vegas is it's the one game that truly chooses to be about a different place in the world. Whereas, you know, Bethesda's big thing is they always want the character to have kind of the same origin. So, like, in in Elder Scrolls games, you're always a prisoner. In their Mm -hmm. Fallout games, you are always emerging from the vault. You start in the vault and then you exit the vault in some new context or whatever. And that's also true of Fallout 1 and 2. Like, you are a vault Mm -hmm. dweller or person who you're from a town but like you are from the legacy of that same vault dweller I think that's something that does make Fallout 2 somewhat interesting in the same way that New Vegas does but New Vegas is the one who goes way off on its own and it's just like you're about this guy over here and he just Mm -hmm. happens to he you know he just happens to he or she lives around New Vegas and they got shot and let's figure out what that's all about and it's like Mm -hmm. so refreshing to have mm-hmm. a game in the world that is confidently in the world and also its own thing, without trying to yeah. be like, oh, you have to hit certain points of <laughs> of what these games are about. Well, it, it right. It's like mixing up the kind of
1: um Joseph Campbell like hero's journey type narrative. Yeah. You are not like you know, in Fallout, you're the Vault Dweller, it's like you're the first person to go out like you are a hero on yeah. a hero's journey. Right fallout 2 you are literally the chosen one right yeah 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 exactly. to go out and do this thing <laughs> and it's like you know fallout new Vegas is like you're a dude who had a really bad day at work yeah,
0: right exactly and you're like kind of bad about that <laughs> right and it's be- it's so it's just such a good way to kick that whole storyline off too because then later on it still gets to harken back to like the things the series is you know the the control for power over the limited clean water like that's still very much yeah. the story of New Vegas but in a vastly different context than right. got to find the Geck or whatever like it it, right. it it's yeah it it truly chooses to reinterpret so many things from the rest of the series totally
1: and and you wouldn't have that in, like fallout new vegas is the best of like the yojimbo style like playing factions off of one yes. another
0: oh my gosh All right yeah.
1: iteration of the in the fallout world and like you would not that's not really present in fallout one that's a thing Mm -hmm. that you don't start experiencing until fallout two right
0: yeah and i think that's if anything too that's the the experience i'm lacking uh because you know i'm still in the early hours of fallout 2 so i think something i probably would have found some beauty in is getting to truly learn more about these different settlements in addition to the brotherhood of steel and the enclave and the NCR mm-hmm. and like seeing how all these sort of powered factions start to conflict with each other as you approach the mm-hmm. late game. That's definitely the beauty of new Vegas. It's even a little bit the beauty of fallout four. Uh, it's not mm-hmm. something I really ever experienced in fallout three as much. I would say, even though most of those factions are still present, I, I just never feel yeah. the drive to, to go there. But I, yeah, I, yeah. I think that's, what makes the vibe of fallout games sort of you know classically good but so you you've you've really pushed for the idea that, that that fallout 1 and new vegas are are your sort of like proper fallouts and everything else has dipped in a direction that you you felt wasn't um either what maybe true to that initial spirit or just not something you liked as much
1: well i i mean it's not even about being true to that initial spirit because if you just played Fallout and then played New Vegas, mm-hmm. you'd be like, Totally, these what? games are totally yeah. different. Like, <laughs> right. what the fuck have they done with my Fallout? <laughs> right. And, and so, like, I think you, and, and I would be clear, when I was a kid, I liked Fallout 2 more than Fallout 1. Okay. You know, I liked the weirder party that you could assemble. Yeah, right. Like, you know, it was like Fallout 1, it's like you and a couple of other, like, drab, dirty people running yeah, around. Right. And here, sure. like, you know you can there's like a robot that you can build yourself who becomes a party member there's like controversially a talking deathclaw who can join you okay um no it's cool cool. i like it
0: every naysayers get out i like it it's cool any it's if anything yeah yeah, yeah. isn't there like not that much talking super mutants in fallout 3 am i remembering things right where like yeah they're mostly just like they're just enemies but then it's like i it I don't know. to me, it feels like there should be more super mutant stuff, and that's the other thing about like there's a whole camp in New Vegas where you can like meet or there's at least a couple super mutants you can meet yeah. that are that are like normal things. I don't know. i I definitely think that is something I was looking for in this mm-hmm. game is that spirit of there are not necessarily just like good guys and bad guys, but there are sort of a bunch of different factions you can have on your side but even more than that what i felt like i was lacking because of how kind of limited the combat system of fallout 2 can be is i wanted the you know i always want the ability to just like stop the combat and like be able to be the speech character that convinces Mm. whoever you know can't we please talk Mm -hmm. to these creatures or whatever i do feel like that's kind (laughs) of in fallout's dna because everything in fallout is some sort of monster like, the game is constantly about, like, there's the ghouls, but they're not so bad if you get to know them. And there's the this, and they're not so bad if you get... Right. And it's like, everything is a different, varying degree of monster in this wasteland of monsters. Yeah,
1: yeah, totally. No, and, and, and like, Fallout 2 does get to some of those moments. And, yeah. like, you can recruit... Uh, you probably haven't gotten uh, uh, to this point, but, like, Marcus, the super mutant who runs Broken Hills, mm-hmm. like, can join your party. Oh, cool. And then you've got this, like, extremely probably like the nicest most mild-mannered character in the game is this like (laughs) mini gun wielding super mutant who's an indispensable party member wow um but yeah i mean the fallout at its best is about that like that colorful cast and kind of like morally gray or like thorny Mm -hmm. um kind of like ethical dilemmas right yeah and uh that's something that fallout 2 had to kind of like Go that far and then like overshoot yes. in this like totally wacky direction, so that something like New Vegas could come and like rein it in mm-hmm. to a to a degree that like really yeah. works and I think still works. Yeah, and and that like even Fallout Four is a game that gets like a lot of flack for the ways it deviates from like mm. the role playing origins of Fallout. Um, but having like played that through twice now as well, like I think it actually does a pretty decent job. Like balancing that tone mm-hmm. uh in a way that um you know that's really tough it's yeah. like there's not like i think the reason people keep coming back to fallout games is like there's nothing that tastes quite like yeah fallout
0: yeah if, if that would i would say certainly be it the series biggest legacy is like it truly is a world uniquely its own whereas like you know there's so many pretty original fantasy settings but at the end of the day they all feel like different styles of the same fantasy setting. Whereas it's like Fallout mm-hmm. truly feels like a, a, a post-apocalyptic thing completely on its own and everything since has almost borrowed more from it than than any other examples. And like it's like you can when people talk about post-apocalypse, it's Mad Max and it's Fallout and it's sort of mm-hmm. for popular examples, that's the end of the list in my mind. (laughs) And, and to get beyond that, you get into different styles of poke, post-apocalypse, like cyberpunk and all that stuff. But it's like the, the fallout vibe of irradiated wastelands is such a specific thing that it really feels like nobody else is allowed to touch. (laughs) And and specifically
1: that, that mix of like post-apocalyptic, uh, like horror. Yes. Plus like, Campy 50s sci-fi yeah. futurism. Yeah. yeah. Wow. it's just like, yeah, yeah, they hit they hit on like a perfect combination. Yeah. And even the the original like core creative team on Fallout, like uh Kane and Boyarski mm. like tried to kind of come back to that well with something like Outer Worlds, right? And, you know, and then like Arcanum as well. Yeah. And there's like lots of good things about both of those games, but it like they just hit something like so so sweet mm-hmm. with fallout yeah and and something that like that then subsequent teams like developed into something like even sweeter yeah there's like nothing like like a good fallout game
0: yeah exactly that's, it. that's the end of the story that, that that really is it i mean there's there when, when fallout is good it feels like a thing holistically and uniquely its own and and i think it's something that fallout 2 is pretty well known for especially because i mean it feels like fallout 1 and fallout To had to define a bunch of things in two pretty different directions so that we could, I think, understand uh, the scope of the formula. And this is this alludes to something Mm -hmm. you said to me when before we started recording. But you kind of you sort of classified those two games as like either end of the spectrum. And every game since then has tried to find like an appropriate place somewhere in between, basically.
1: Yeah, yeah. Like nothing's gone darker or more like old testament Uh than
0: fallout one right and like
1: nothing has tried to get like zanier than fallout two
0: yeah so we know the thresholds of what this universe is capable of and everything else gets to sort of refine that i think that's really really cool um well i think we need to rank this thing uh which is is a tricky task especially considering i'm borrowing a lot from just like the legacy of other Fallout games I played and what I have played of this one despite not finishing it although the biggest thing I know is you can feel the scope of how much more I could just continue getting in the weeds of the- like you said this could be like a lifestyle game where I just come back to it kind of constantly and put countless hours into it so I'm riding pretty high uh, You might now have mm-hmm. the list pulled up in front of you. Is there a yeah. somewhat range you want to fall in between? Something we've been doing a lot recently is being way more open to just like bouncing all around. And if there's just a game somewhere in the list where you're like, we need to talk about whether it's better or worse than this and start from there or whatever. Is there is there sort of a threshold totally. we need to decide to cross?
1: Yeah. So, so Matt, I've got a secret that I've been keeping from you. <gasps> oh, no. Which is. The reason that I did not put more hours into this game uh-huh. over the last like week or two <laughs> is that I was playing Final Fantasy VII Remake.
0: <laughs> Just too busy with what is a better game, huh? Is that what we're saying? It's it... Well, and like I have, I have some mixed feelings about Final Fantasy sure. VII Remake as a project, but sure. I,
1: I cannot in
0: good conscience
1: put it above that. Beautiful. That is the game that was like, I am definitely not right. putting forty more hours into this. Thing. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. I'm not taking away time from Final Fantasy 7 Remake just to play some more Fallout 2. Okay, well, I'm perfectly content with it. Definitely, I mean, that's that's a top ten, and so we're just at the very least so far we're saying Fallout 2 is not a top ten game, which I am more than okay with. It is too, sure. it is too mean and too mm-hmm. uh, nebulous at times to mm-hmm. to like really hit that sweet mm-hmm. spot. Um, mm-hmm. I, I think it is too much a relic of its time where some of these assumptions were just like, okay. And in 2023, we're not, we're not okay with these styles of things anymore. So yeah, I I like that A, a top line at the very least of, of remake. I mean, I would extend that to, I would not be putting this above Metal Gear Solid Two, another game that's like think of a bunch of really open ways to deal with these problems within the mechanics you've been presented, and uh, oh, yeah. K- Katamari Damacy, a game that I find like mechanically pure, like just just totally. a, just a perfect video game. I think it still falls below all of those. I, I
1: mean, honestly, like. I am tempted to say, because like I am also trying to think about this game. I played the original Fallout 2 like not that long after I played the original Final Fantasy 7.
0: Yeah, and there's a part of me sure. that
1: almost wants to like see, like, does it go between FF Seven and FF Seven <laughs> Remake in this yeah. list?
0: Yeah, no, I think that works because uh, FF Seven is also a game that is a product of its time. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I would say on the whole. Well, of course as as a, an English speaker, Fallout Two is a lot more inviting of a narrative uh first pass than Fallout mm. or than, than Final Fantasy seven is for me like as an original experience when I played Final Fantasy Seven a couple years ago, it, you know, I bounced off that narrative uh, that I'm only mm-hmm. now coming back around to because of Final Fantasy seven remake. Mm-hmm. Um, but from a combat from a like a a, a systems design perspective um I do think there's just as much wasting your time in Fallout 2. There's at least the notion that you might need to do some grinding in Fallout 2, right? Like, that is a solution to getting through these problems. If you didn't want to look up the people telling you how to completely rig the combat system against itself, (laughs) the only other alternative would be to, like, well, got to do tons of side quests in this area and just wander around until my my combat skills are leveled up enough to survive. Um, yeah. So that doesn't th- feel this great. This is actually a
1: good place to start because these are both games with um, overworlds. You spend more time in yeah. than
0: maybe you ought to. Right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I definitely think Fallout or uh, th- th- these are hard games to talk about at this. Point. Final and Fallout, Final Fantasy and Fallout, Final Fallout, Final kid, Fallout Seven you know. Two. Uh, so in Final Fallout Seven Two, I find the overworld of FF Seven. Uh, less painful than fallout Mm -hmm. 2 but fallout 2 doesn't ask you i would say to spend as much of the experience in it again you can kind of skip through Mm -hmm. those chunks where Mm -hmm. i don't know that you can really get away that much with skipping at least some of the grinding in the overworld. I don't know. You can you can burn through the overworld. That's maybe not totally fair to say. And at the very least the overworld of Final Fantasy VII is certainly a lot more fun to navigate, right? You are upgrading your ship as you go throughout the game and uh, ex- yeah. you know, experiencing things whereas Fallout 2 is literally just like the map that you slowly traverse across. Oh.
1: Or that you traverse across more quickly once you right. assemble that car.
0: Yeah, you get your car and then you just burn through it and it's not a big deal at all. That's very true. Right, and it's got a trunk in it. And that <laughs> that trunk is worth, like,
1: multiple party members who <laughs> maybe had to die along the way. <laughs> Which, honestly, I find, like, personally much more satisfying yeah, than yeah. The, uh, the silly FF7 airship.
0: Right. Yeah, but, but for Final Fantasy seven, I think where it lacks for me and where Fallout 2 definitely falls above it is the idea that... In FF7 you're just doing the narrative presented to you, right? And that it's, you know, if you yes. think it's written well, then it that's a wonderful thing that's being delivered to you. But Fallout 2 has that openness where all paths are also written well that I think kind of helps it excel where that that storyline really can feel uh unique to you and you feel like an active participant in the playing of the game, whereas Final Fantasy seven, it definitely mm-hmm. feels like I'm just getting the gear to outfit the character. You know, your only choices are like, what are my materia builds more or less? Right. Um.
1: Yeah. This is where we get into the kind of like classic CRPG, yeah. JRPG right. divide with like, yeah, is this a narrative you're exploring or one that is being like delivered to right. you
0: for sure? Yeah. And, and I think the ambition of both uh, really carries them, but um, you know, I I do think um, for me it would be Fallout to falling above this. Uh, I don't know yeah, how much higher it necessarily needs to climb because yeah. what what comes above it is like I don't know. I what I found with guests on the show is Ocarina of Time is either deeply offensive to you at twenty seventh <laughs> or you are invited into the cool kids club with us so i don't know where you fall on if, if ocarina of time is like a travesty down here in the in the pits of the low 20s uh now i you know i don't have that much nostalgia
1: for zelda games yeah so that actually seems like a totally reasonable place yeah yeah for this game to be
0: at cool uh, um, I, on my own personal list, I'll note that Fallout 2 ended up falling right below Halo Combat Evolved. And when I look at where uh, Halo Combat Evolved is on this list at 19, and I look at everything mm-hmm. above it, I'm very confident in Fallout 2 staying below that threshold. So yeah. I, it feels that like we're really narrowing in on we're in the 20s for Fallout 2. Probably.
1: I cannot in good conscience... Honestly, put it above
0: either Into the Breach or Papers, Please. Oh, talk to me about Into the Breach, because Papers, Please, as a, like a, a similar narrative experience where, like, I can totally yeah. understand the, the justification there, but I want to hear your yeah. take on Into the Breach.
1: I mean, I think I feel the way about Into the Breach that you were describing, talking about Katamari Damacy, mm. like, to me, that is a, like, a gem of an idea, yeah. especially with the advanced edition. like perfectly or near perfectly executed upon like you know i have beef with like how bad some of the uh the original squads in that game are (laughs) sure but i don't really have like notes for it Uh uh-huh um and like just thinking that as like an exercise in game design that's like and it's a singular experience too like there's not another game that feels like into the breach Mm -hmm. That's Um, true, and it can be like that that is another game that could be a lifestyle game yeah yeah. Right.
0: Well um, then let's let's let it settle below into the breach which means we're really falling into this neon white Ocarina of mm-hmm. Time Jet Set Radio uh, mm-hmm. area and I, wa- I think Fallout 2 goes above Jet Set Radio I think Jet Set Radio is a super duper cool game mm-hmm. with like some massive game pa- gameplay problems and honestly Fallout 2 is like very similar right like as we described yeah. at the end of this conversation the world of Fallout is incredibly Cool and uniquely its own, uh, and it's just as as a game, it's got its own little problems within that. But I do think yeah. as a sort of seminal work, Fallout Two mm-hmm. would go above Jet Set Radio mm-hmm. for me.
1: But but that's a fun conversation though, because what you're talking about is like Jet Set Radio, which is like smooth, cool, Uh-huh. and uh-huh. <laughs> Fallout Two, which is like rough, gritty, cool. Yeah, right. And it's right. Kind of, like Which of those yeah. goes further for you personally? Right. Well,
0: and and it's also like. Like, if Hunter were here, I, I know one thing with Hunter is he kind of actually, he personally bounces off the vibe of the Fallout games a little bit. Like, I think he doesn't mm-hmm. have much affection for that dark, post-apocalyptic gritty world or yeah. whatever. Yeah. Um. And so the other way to put that, too, would be the, like, that Sega action game cool, right? That just is, like, so mm-hmm. impossible to replicate of just the, the way those games feel stylistically Um, I definitely think exceeds anything Fallout necessarily accomplishes.
1: Totally. The Fallout games still have residual, like, sweaty PC gamer
0: (laughs) energy to them,
1: (laughs) which you can just, like, embrace that there's, like, something stale and kind of, like, mom's basement-y about Uh this this whole situation. In ways that, like, I think... You know, again, looking at it in the year twenty twenty three feels like more kind of like out of step with the culture. Mm-hmm. Or kinda of like where where games are at now as yeah. like a as a medium. Whereas like I think Jet Set Radio still plays, like that still feels like a game that could be made now. Yeah,
0: yeah. And kind of is being and if anything, man, there just quick side note, there's there's all these rumors still ongoing that we're about to get a Jet Set Radio remake. Uh, but I don't. I don't know when that's gonna. Mm. That's been a. That's been a, a, a rumored thing for like a couple of years. So I don't know. Mm-hmm. I, I'm. I'm anxious mm-hmm. for it. We'll see. We'll see. Mm-hmm. But we'll see. Uh. So I don't know. Now I'm talking myself into Jet Set Radio staying above Fallout. Um.
1: I mean, I think though that it's got. I think we should talk about this compared to Ocarina at Time. Okay. If you, a yeah, we dodged it for a second there. These are both two games of. Their are eras mm-hmm. that I think have
0: accrued a lot more jank over time of the same yeah. year. I didn't even think about it. They're both 98. Yeah. Interesting Ninety eight, yeah. big year. The oh God too big of a year. I hate I, <laughs> we could do four seasons about just 1998, I think. Uh, mm-hmm. But so, yeah, Ocarina is uh, is a game that just for so long was was hailed as the best game of all time. And mm-hmm. I mean, certainly, I don't think Fallout Two ever held that sort of title, but I do think there's an audience out there that feels Fallout Two is sort of like among the greatest PC games ever yep. made. Um, I, I feel like within that conversation, there's basically the Baldur's Gate stands and the Fallout stands, and those are the, you are mm-hmm. one of those two people if you are <laughs> if you are standing mm-hmm. the CRPG, the Western RPG, or whatever. It's Mm -hmm. one of those two games like Baldur's Gate two or fallout two is, is hailed as the greatest game of all time.
1: Probably. Yeah. And I think maybe, ah, I think why I want to have this conversation is because the real meat in it is like what these two games meant for like subsequent installments of these series and like how we've come to understand them Mm -hmm. and like how far have like the Zelda games moved from like what Ocarina. Yeah. And set as the mold. Right. And like what um you know, how the Fallout
0: games have. Right. Well, because until on. 2017, you would say not at all, right? Until up until right. Breath of the Wild, <laughs> you would say, oh my gosh, we have not evolved from Ocarina of Time at all. And then we basically discovered a new way or whatever. And <laughs> the example of that for Fallout is like the Bethesda games are their different thing. And then I guess at this current juncture. The ending point is Fallout 76, which is not, the, mm-hmm. is, we're not going to have a revered conversation about like where the series has gone in that direction, and even most people, I think, sort of, I think you and I maybe are both defenders of Fallout 4 a little bit, but while maybe both recognizing it for its, its obvious flaws that have been talked to death yeah. by the entire internet or whatever
1: yeah but but i you know i we, we didn't get into this in our chat but like i ran into a lot of bug issues playing fallout 2 this time around oh yeah that i strangely did not run into replaying fallout 1 recently that's funny and i i will go on record saying i think in the year 2023 the two most playable fallout games yeah are fallout 1 and fallout 4.
0: yeah yeah that's that's an interesting right take it makes me feel bad that we didn't do fallout one for this one i think i just had it in my head that fallout 2 was regarded as an improvement in every way and you have opened my eyes up to we need to go we need to go back kate basically (laughs) uh and and i'm I'm very interested in returning to it now but that that is an interesting idea that i mean yeah because it's certainly all the other bethesda fallouts while everybody should check out new vegas it is clearly a game beset with (laughs) Many, many yeah. issues. Uh, we tried to do it for this show and failed because H- Hunter's computer exploded when he tried to play it, basically. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But yeah, Fallout 4, I think, generally works. And Fallout 1, it sounds like, is is a game. I played uh, Fallout 2 on my Steam Deck and it was running okay. So I wonder uh-huh. if it's like... The more, if it's a, if it's one of those classic problems of old game runs bad on new stuff kind of situation. Yeah, I mean, it, it could be. So with Ocarina of Time, I am feeling a sense that maybe we put cart before the horse in me wanting to just like trash Ocarina of some more. Where I think there are people that believe Fallout Two is still like this pinnacle of achievement, but that some of that is steeped in not having gone back to it to feel its place in the series overall mm-hmm. and and our conversation mm-hmm. has definitely steered me to it's not like Fallout 2 was perfecting the Fallout formula even stylistically or anything and so to hold it in quite that high ever regard is uh doing is giving it too many favors right is like is is uh whereas Ocarina of Time I think you can still look at it and understand what it meant for the 3D, you know, action game, yeah, or whatever.
1: absolutely. No, I think um, I think we got to look at this thing clear eyed <laughs> and just say, like, there's some good stuff in here, like yeah. stuff that like ways that it has like shaped uh, subsequent Fallout games, yeah, um, and say the like, I would probably re-
0: rather replay Ocarina of Time right mm-hmm. now.
1: Then do another fallout 2
0: run right because it's my first time playing it i want to keep doing fallout 2 but once i'm done with that i yeah i don't know how soon i'm coming back to it necessarily whereas Mm -hmm. ocarina even though the last time i played it i said it would be the last time i'll ever play ocarina in my life because i've but the 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 subtext to that is i've played ocarina like nine times in my life so it's it's fine you know what i mean it doesn't need any more bandwidth in my life and it and it earned its place in all of those replays or or whatever so i'm happy with fallout 2 to fall below it it makes me want to even put fallout 2 below jet set radio just to like just to make my buddy hunter proud of us i think
1: (laughs) i think yeah i I think for some reason having it between ocarina and ff7 feels Uh right yeah and i also i've not revisited jet set radio in a long time it's cooler
0: (laughs) (laughs) that always it's funny how there's an indefinable quality to the coolness of jet set radio that like it just gets like so many passes because of just how truly cool it is and chooses to be and Mm -hmm. and like it's because I mean, similar to what we're saying of like nobody else can do what Fallout does. Nobody else like has ever even a t- like barely attempted to do what Jet Set Radio did stylistically and and in, yeah. and, and in its factors. So, yeah, I kind of like Fallout 2 being our new number 29. It does make for some awkward future conversations of these two big RPGs being right next to each other. But I'm fine with it because it is western rpg and jrpg they're not that mm-hmm. similar which means i do think at some point we'll be able to sandwich some things in between i think it makes a new challenge of finding the stuff that fits between fallout 2 and final fantasy 7 on this list
1: uh, i'm very curious to
0: hear what eventually will like be the wedge between those two <laughs> entries
1: Because I, I like the way they look next to each other yeah yeah it feels like we're putting the past where it belongs <laughs> Like not a, not in a, a disrespectful tier right. of the list, you know?
0: Yeah. It's really funny that it's there's just this little section of this list that's like the mainstays of 1997 and 98 mm-hmm. belong right there around the 30s, the, the low 20s, mm-hmm. high 30s or whatever. Well, beautiful. We've done it. Fallout 2 is number 29, the 29th game of all time. Justin, thank you so much for... for an extensive. I didn't. I didn't think we could go this hard, but this was a, a wonderfully vast topic. Uh, and just thank you so much for for talking fallout too with me. Yeah, man. So so glad we finally got to do it. Absolutely. Uh, we of course want to have you back anytime, but also you you have a new wonderful child. Uh, so we'll we'll take you when we can get you. Uh, our big goal is to of course always just send out our new seasons to our sort of list of hopeful guests. And you will you will definitely receive the list of next season's stuff to try to get in on whatever you want. But don't feel beholden to uh, if it doesn't have to always be narrative choice RPG uh, stuff that you are somewhat known for. Uh, if you if you just want to play like an arcade game, you know that's chill too.
1: <laughs> so uh, we're gonna get you all to install Mech Warrior Three next time around. <laughs>
0: Um, no, I take it all back. I take it all back. Justin, we only play RPGs with you, and, and that's it. I, I fear what else you are capable of. Back in your little box, nerd. Old Gamers Almanac is produced by Matt Martins and Hunter Donaldson, with music by Knight Corey. If you liked our little show, consider giving us a five-star rating or heading over to patreon.com slash oldgamersalmanac.